So the election is over, but the division in our country still remains. Today we're going to speak with David Drum, author of the new book called Peace Talks, The Good News of Jesus in a Donkey Elephant War. We're going to learn how we can lessen the divide among us, next on the Church Solutions Podcast. Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Hello and welcome everyone once again to another of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson and with me today is Michael Gray. Michael, how are you? Great, Phil. Good to be here today. We haven't we haven't had you on for a while. Michael works yeah, with us yeah. here, and uh, you you've been on a lot of podcasts, but not lately. Uh, you've been uh, goofing off, working on your Jeep, probably right. The deal. Yep, yep. Breaking it, fixing it, breaking it, fixing yeah. it. It's just an endless cycle. Yeah, that's mine. Does that mine breaks, but it just sits in the driveway and breaks. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, well, we're glad everybody's here today. Thanks for being with us today, and uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. We've uh, had him on here before, Doctor David Drum. David, how are you today? I am well, thanks, and thanks for the honorary doctorate too. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had a doctorate. <laughs> I guess you have a master's. I, I do master's. now. So well, there yeah. you go. Well, so, hey. If, if I said it, that means it's true. Absolutely. Uh, well, you should have a doctor. You have been involved in ministry for well over 20 years. And I'm just going over your bio. And, and uh, you were a pastor at Trinity Lutheran here in Tucson, Arizona for uh, well over 20 years. And you've been involved in other organizations as well for Tucson, which I think a couple times. Yep. And uh, now you're with... Uh, is it J17? Is that what? Uh, J17 Ministries, yes. Okay, all right. And uh, you've worked, uh, the thing I, I just love about you, Dave, is that you've, you you work with a large group of people from different theological backgrounds, different things like that. And uh, you've written several books. Jesus, one of them is Jesus' Surprising Strategy. Yes. Uh, the other one was If It Was Easy, Jesus Wouldn't Have Prayed For It. And what we want to talk about today is your new book called Peace Talks. Peace Talks, the good news of Jesus in a donkey elephant war. <laughs> and this is very timely because at the time of this recording uh, of this podcast, uh, you know, it's it's November 11th. The election happened, what, a week ago, a little over a week ago. Yep. And it seems to me like our country is more divided than ever. I agree. And so we want to throw some questions out here to you in this book, uh, Peace Talks, the Good News of Jesus and a Donkey Elephant War. So many viewers and listeners to this podcast are pastors or, you know, associate pastors, executive pastors, key volunteers in their local church, yep. um, you know, people working in tech. Our technique been doing this for a long time. Uh, so, you know, I hear this book, The Good News of Jesus and a Donkey Elephant War, Peace Talks. So if I'm one of these listeners right now, you know, and, and you know, I probably my mind made up about where I politically, <laughs> this is one of the things that just honors me. It really does, because I, I work with uh, not just people, but I'm involved in my church 
And, and you know, I've, I know people on both sides of the political spectrum. Yep. And it just frustrates how, how angry people get and how divisive people are. But, you know, if I'm one of these people listening, not saying that everybody listens is divisive, but if I'm a listener right now or a viewer, why should I even care about this book, Peace Talk? I know what I believe about politically and this stuff. Tell me more. Why should I look at this book? Well, here's one reason. Um, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, among other things. So um, we ought to care about being peacemakers. And uh, certainly an area where we need peace, maybe as much as any, is in the arena of politics. Um, Mm -hmm. A second reason might be that many of us um, have uncomfortable conversations that happen in our own living room with our kids or our aunts and uncles. Um, Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. is coming. Thanksgiving can be one of those uh, meals that people (laughs) dread because uncle so-and-so is going to drop (laughs) a political bomb and people are going to squirm and it's going to be uncomfortable. And so lots of us have that kind of experience. And so if we could learn how to navigate those waters in a healthier fashion, um, we could enjoy our pumpkin pie more at the end of the dinner. So um, it gets imminently practical. But uh, maybe the best reason of all is that um, in John 17, Jesus prayed that we would all be one so that the world would notice And um, I've looked really, really closely, and there are no footnotes in that prayer that say, except where politics is concerned. Um, That out is not in the prayer anywhere. And um, there are believers, solid, mature, Jesus-loving people that we could get along with, pray together with, um, worship together, have a wonderful time with who are in both parties. And when we firebomb one another, we are hurting the unity in the church, as well as preventing the world from seeing um, the the church lead and be the light on a hill. Um, We've got such a tremendous opportunity in a divided world like this. Um, One more comment just to finish up that question. It takes something bigger than the gap to bridge the gap. And that gap, that person, that something is the person of Jesus Christ. So that's the good news of Jesus in a donkey elephant war. He can help lead us through the impasse that we experience personally within our churches, as well as as a country. Okay. I'm going to turn Michael loose on you here in just a moment. But uh, let me let me just look at some of the chapters here just for people. Uh, you've got uh, chapters. One of them is casualty of war, casualties of war. How we got here, which I think is interesting. That'd probably be my next question here. Our Western worldview problem, which I totally agree. We have a real problem uh, with our worldview here living in the West. And I mean, when I mean West. And then uh, theft, Jesus is surprising priority. Uh, uh, How we got here. Let me ask this question. And Michael, I'll turn it over to you after Dave uh, eloquently answers this. Uh, How... How did we get here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, in that chapter and the two subsequent chapters, I identify seven different factors that have contributed. 
um, technology is a piece of the picture. Um, we, uh, m- most of our communication is via social media these days mm-hmm. and social media tends not to bring forth our highest and best selves. And mm. so we have a way, um, it, it used to be when email came out, I remember some of the training that said, um, b- when, when you're getting ready to uh, write a snappy response to an email that you just got, pause, wait, don't send that email. And most of us learned that lesson the hard way. Um, with social media, you don't even have to compose the answer. All you do is hit like or forward and um, you are firebombing all sorts of folks that you aren't even thinking about. You aren't at all thinking about the person receiving the message. You're just um, uh, living in your echo chamber. And so a couple of the factors have to do with the, the role of social media. Um, I learned a term from my son. My son actually wrote the chapter, How We Got Here. Um, mm. My son has a very different political and spiritual worldview than I do, but we've learned how to talk together um, the hard way, but we've learned and we, we do really well together. And so I invited him, he offered, um, he wanted to help with this project. And so I invited him to write the chapter and uh, I learned a term in the process. um, When we talk about news media, news media used to broadcast and news media now narrow casts. All news media <laughs> picks a slice okay. of the public, um, and it's much more lucrative to their advertisers to know who you're advertising to. And so um, meet, news media wow. has dramatically changed in the last generation yeah. over where it was. Yeah. So um, those are two factors, um, social media and news media, the the advent of technology has um, dramatically shifted the landscape over the last generation. And foreign countries, a third factor, um, it's well documented that foreign countries have decided that our political partisanship weakens us as a nation. And so they've chosen to enter into the fray just Mm. to further fan the flames. And I've actually got a picture of one of those fake ads from a fake group um, that's in the book that was used during the 2016 political campaign. Um, and uh, so that picture is in the book. Um, my son helped do some of that research. So that's awesome. um, yeah, it's uh, we, then there's some uh, theological reasons why we're so divided. So uh, we look at seven different factors that got us to where we are. Oh, that's great. So uh, I, uh, as I, as I was going through that section, there's really some really some juicy, great understanding there. Um, I just recently watched uh, The Social Dilemma. Yes, and, so did uh, I. So it's so poignant. It, it literally parallels what you write in your book about the fact that advertising is driving algorithm of social to deliver bias to people who already have a certain bias. Yep. So if you lean one way or the other way, the algorithm, because that's how they get paid, is keeping your eyes on their page, yep. is going to continue to feed you with whatever bias you have. Yep. And so that's the wedge then of so 
I, I had several questions I think you're going to answer, but I was really stunned this year that people unfriended me who've been lifelong friends mm -hmm. because they assume I have a certain perspective about everything because of the kind of work that I do. Uh, we didn't have conversations. We didn't argue. We didn't, we didn't talk amongst ourselves as posts, but it was an assumption. And we were so divided all of the sudden that I was unfriended and I was just, I was, I had, I stepped back and I said, number one, what did I do? And I want to, I want to be careful in that. Yeah. And number two, how did, again, how did we get here? <laughs> your, uh, your chapter was just really great help. You know, as I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that data, it's really exceptional. Um, yeah, there's a lot of data in there. Um, I did a lot of research for this book. Um, so there's like almost 500 footnotes in the book. Um, it's, I, I did a lot of work for this project. I could tell. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, um, I was talking just yesterday with a pastor who was going to be meeting last night with a group of people that were going to leave their church because of their assumption over the political stance that was being portrayed. And this is a church that is exceptionally careful to not, um, not take a political stance that would divide and alienate the audience. You can't really be much more careful than this church is. But um, I, we've, we've just got to recognize that this is not just a national problem. This bleeds over into the body of Christ. And we've, we've just, the church, if the church doesn't lead, the country has no chance. I don't, mm. Um, mm. But, but it's weakening the church also. And so mm. it, it's a very relevant topic. Most pastors know um, how volatile politics is in their congregation. And most churches have a mixture of people, even if one side is in hiding, they're there. Um, most sure. churches have that. And so, yeah. um, boy, if we could learn how to, um, how to reflect the principles, the prayers, the priorities of Jesus in the way that we do politics, it would make such a huge impact. That's yeah. I was going to ask you that Dave, in the context of, and I appreciate in your book, how, how you gave two chapters to how, how, how do we, as Christians, and how do we, capital C Church, deal? So very practical. Here are some things yep. that you can do to begin to mend the fence, heal hearts, etc. So could you point to some of that? Absolutely. So um, all of that was born out of practical experience, both within my own family as well as in my job now for almost 10 years, I've had the privilege of working full-time for greater unity in the body of Christ. And one of the great joys of my life, a group that has just made such an impact on me, is a group of African-American and Anglo pastors that meet together monthly. It started during the 2012 presidential election campaign. And the um, so that was... President Obama had been in office for four years and was running for re-election. 
And so um, the presenting question that started this group meeting together was essentially, is our unity in Christ sufficient that we could talk as black pastors and white pastors about politics and live to tell about it? And the answer has been a resounding yes. We've met together monthly now for over eight years and have become deep, deep friends in the process. And we learned a little phrase um, by trial and fire um, in that group that's just three little words that if we could just adopt that perspective, it would make such an impact. Here they are. Help me understand. Help me understand how you go to the ballot box. Help me understand what your life experience has led you to prioritize when you think about politics. Help me understand how you're processing this last week. Help me understand what you're seeing um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Help me understand. It's just a posture of listening. It's a posture of humility. Um, It's it's, uh, the kinds of things that the New Testament talks about a lot that one little question can make a difference. Many of us have um, young adult children who probably see the world differently than we do. Mm. It works in that context. Help me understand what's important to you in life. And so um, we've used that question when we've processed through Ferguson and the riots, when we processed this summer, through what happened to George George Floyd and the rioting taking place in different cities and political and social unrest. And um, help me understand what you're seeing, how you're processing it. And we have learned a ton in that process. If we could just use that as a leading question in conversations with people who are different from us, um, those conversations would go a whole lot better. So that's a super practical thing that every one of us could use. That's good. That's really good stuff, Dave. We're talking with David Drum, uh, author of the book uh, Peace Talks. And Dave, you've got a, a chapter that says our Western worldview problem. Uh, is that part of what you just articulating there does that fall into the western worldview problem and and you obviously you you can't give a a real long answer here because of time but right what is our western worldview problem and how well, do we get out is, of it <laughs> yes this is a uh, a massive oversimplification but um in the in a western worldview we tend to default to either or and in a biblical worldview it tends to land on both and. So for instance, Jesus is both fully human and fully God. That's a both and. We tend to think of the conflicts because we tend to land on an either or perspective. That's just one example among hundreds that we could give. Um, In politics, we tend to approach it as an either or competition But if we could see it as a both and, I use the analogy in the book that um, we're like passengers on an airplane and blowing up the other side of the aisle is a really, really bad idea because the whole plane's going down if we do that. Mm -hmm. And if we could see um, especially believers 
because th there there certainly is a worldview contention going on in politics, and there are some some worldviews that we could not adopt if we're going to be Christ followers who place value in the scriptures. But let's just talk about believers in both sides of the party, um, both in both parties. Um, believers who are who tend to vote democratic i've got a chapter called donkey favorites and a chapter called elephant favorites and i take three um issues that believers in both parties that that are some of the major reasons why they tend to vote that way because of those biblically based issues that each party tends to prioritize so um if we could see that as a both and instead of an either or, um, we could achieve some solutions in the country that right now um, are elusive. You have to decide, for instance, if you're pro-life, um, are you pro-life for the unborn or are you pro-life for um, both sides of the race issue or both sides of the immigration issue? Which pro-life are you? You kind of have to choose because um, the choices dictate one or the other, but not both. That's the Western worldview problem that forces us into an either or when um, the Bible would point us in the direction of both and. <laughs> That's great. How do you, you know, this has been going on probably over a hundred years, yeah. maybe longer, right? Yeah. And it's just getting progressively worse. Uh, how do we put the brakes on this this either or deal? I mean, what's the key to us seeing a breakthrough? Is there actually hope that we can get out of this this down downward spiral before it comes too late? Yeah. Well, I'm my my training. I learned a lot in the research for the book on political science and some of that kind of stuff. But that's not my training. My training is as a pastor. Um, and a, a peacemaker, a bridge builder. And so um, let's start there. The, this issue is impacting our immediate families, as we talked about, With uh, it's impacting our churches. Let's start there. Sit down over dinner and have a help me understand conversation with people that you already know. Build a bridge. Let's Let's take the the uh, polite dinner time conversation rule that says the one thing, the two things that you should never talk about over dinner are religion and politics, and let's throw that right out because if we can't talk about it over dinner with people that we already love, that we already know, then how are we ever going to learn to talk about it anyplace else? So let's learn some, and the book has some very practical suggestions on how to do that, like to help me understand one. Um, let's begin practicing um, having civil conversation and actually learn some things from people who have a different political view than we do. But especially when we love the same Lord, we ought to be able to do that. Jesus is bigger than the gap that divides us. So let's rely on our common unity in Jesus and take somebody to lunch from our church who has a different political leaning than we do and practice having some of these conversations. If that were to happen all across the country, 
we would see some solutions emerge and politics would be done differently. You would find more candidates who, if, if more of the electorate was looking for unifiers when they went to the ballot box, you would find more politicians who would be unifiers because they're just looking for votes. So um, it's on us in our country. We influence who we end up electing. So um, we can be part of the solution here and make a difference, but it's going to start one-on-one. It all boils down to relationships. And so uh, that's something that the church knows about. We can do that. Absolutely. You've got a a chapter called identity theft uh, in the book. Uh, Now I know what identity theft is. You know, we're a tech company and we help, uh, people do streaming and log into things and log out of stuff. Uh, what's identity theft have to do with this book, uh, Peace Talks? So um, as I have watched people that I know and love, Facebook firebomb other people. <laughs> um, and these are otherwise mature Christian believers. And it's like, how does that happen? Um, how on earth can can we just throw out everything that we know when it comes to politics and just land in the gutter? How does that happen? Um, I contend that it's a case of identity theft and we are over identifying with our political parties and under identifying with our primary identity, which is that we are children of God. Um, and so I, that chapter is the most autobiographical chapter in the book because I, in fact, Michael Gray, you are quoted in that chapter because I use the life map that we did together. <laughs> and um, I, I, that, uh, that exercise that you have us draw our spiritual health in each of these different seasons of life and mine look like an EKG and uh, it goes, goes up and down and up and down. And I realized that every single time that my health was plummeting, it's because I was over-identifying with something secondary. Oh, and every wow. single That's time strong. that my health was going up, it's because I, my identity was focused on what's primary. And that was the big revelation of those two days with you. And so the first half of that chapter is just mining that. And so I tell my own story and here's where I over-identified with um, denomination. And here's where I over-identified with ministry or career at the expense of my family and um, on and on and on. And so I use three different examples in my own personal life. And then I list a whole bunch of other things that we can over-identify with. And then I drop the bomb. Most of us over-identify with politics and mm-hmm. we need to put it in a secondary. It, in fact, it isn't even secondary. It's secondary. like way down the list <laughs> of things that yeah. we ought to be identified with. But I think that's a, a root cause of our, our issue, because um, if we get defensive um, when we're talking politics, that's a surefire indication that we've got some of our identity wrapped up in it. Otherwise, it's just an exchange of ideas, and we wouldn't be defensive over that. 
um, we can exchange ideas all day long if our identity is not tied up in it. So um, that's the, that's the, uh, the issue of that chapter. Many people who've read the book have said that that was their favorite chapter in the book. Um, and probably it's because there's just lots and lots of stories in that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. But your story of, of, about Africa, as you let off and yeah. their identity theft that lead them to murder so many people yep. uh, while calling themselves Christians uh, was just you know, I, I just hadn't heard that story in that context before. I, I knew it was history. I knew it happened, but I didn't know it was amongst a country that considered itself to be a Christian country Yep, and had left the, the, the top identity behind for other Tribal identities identity. yep. that were. Yeah. And um, I, I, I dare say, um, that we're not far from that. Um, I, I was praying very specifically mm-hmm. that we would not experience revolution in our nation, regardless of which side won the election. Um, there, there was the real possibility, and we're not 100% out of the woods yet, um, although it's looking good, but um, there was the real possibility that we could be, um, uh, we, we could be Rwanda. Um, maybe not quite that bad, but I, I've never even considered that possibility before in my lifetime right. that, yeah. that we could be looking at another civil war in our nation. And um, we're not far from it. If, if we don't get a handle on this, if we continue down the trajectory that is more and more divided with more and more violent rhetoric and throwing around terms like, well, the other party declared war on us, so it's time for us to declare war on them. And I've got that quote in the first chapter. Um, my goodness, um, we're, we're in dire straits. Yeah, but the church can lead. The church yeah. can make a difference in this, and that's the good news of Jesus in a donkey elephant. It certainly is. Well, and it's such a contrast in in that our other civil war, the the awakening was driven by the church in something that was horribly wrong. Yes, and and in this case, you what could you point to? <laughs> that is just so catastrophically sinful and wrong that there is no right. There is no winner. (laughs) Well, I think it's it's a hyper partisanship that demonizes the other side, even Mm -hmm. on issues where there's a clear biblical mandate, Mm -hmm. the people on the other side are motivated by things that we, that in most cases that we would say are, are godly issues. So um, let's, let's take maybe the most divisive of all, and let's just throw it out there. Let's talk about abortion. <laughs> um, the, the people who are pro-choice are motivated primarily, not exclusively, but the, the vast majority are motivated by a care and concern for women. That's not a terrible thing. Um, so we could have a help me understand conversation that could bridge even that 
which is such a strong dividing line between pro-life, pro-choice when it comes to abortion. You could have a help me understand conversation even there. And so if we can do it there, we can do it anywhere. Yeah. I've actually had some of those with some people and you're right. It's very helpful. Very helpful. Hey, we're out of time, guys. Uh, I'm sorry, but we are. Uh, so the book is uh, uh, the book is Peace Talks <laughs> and it's called The Good News of Jesus in a Donkey Elephant uh, World War. Let me read that again because I screwed it up. Peace Talks. The Good News of Jesus in a Donkey-Elephant War. David Drum is the author. David, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My privilege. Great to be with both of you. Well, it is good to be. It's good to see you again. And uh, uh, tell us, how can people get a hold? First of all, how can they get the book? How can Because this is really, I, I really feel very strongly about this. I, I think people involved in ministry especially should should read this book. How do they get it? So um, it's available two different places. It's on Amazon. Um, you can get it there. Um, it's available through my website, which is just j17ministries.org, j17ministries.org. There's a study guide that you can download for free, or if you want us to send you a pre-bound copy, it's five bucks for the study guide, but it's designed for small groups. And there's small groups around the country that are studying this book together. And so um, whether in a small group or just with your young adult child, you could do this together and um, make some headway. So um, yeah, j17ministries.org is the only place you can get the study guide. Um, there's also some group discounts available um, that you can't do through Amazon. So um, either place will get you the book. Awesome. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, man, we're out of time. Uh, thank you, David Drum. Thank you, Michael Gray, for sitting in on this. Uh, yeah, Steve Lacey will be back with us uh, next time. I'm Phil Thompson, and uh, please take care of yourselves. This has been the Church Solutions Podcast. We'll see you again next time. Adios. Adios.